Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Good morning, all. And I want to say thank you to Pastor Emma as well, myself. And can we give her a round of applause? I think we forgot. We forgot her. Thank you. It was fantastic. In a couple of weeks' time, I want to share some stuff on the changes that are taking place politically and legally around the world uh, concerning youth and, and children. It's quite shocking, quite devastating. And if there was ever a generation or ever a time that we need what happened yesterday, it is, it is right now, it's almost an emergency. So we have to get our act together in the area of youth and children. Can the children go to Sunday school if possible? Praise the Lord. Stand with me this morning and just prepare your hearts for God's word. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for all that took place in this place, this shed yesterday. And we pray the continuation of that out to the cities and the homes, the families, the schools for which all of those people came. And this morning we remember ourselves and we open our hearts, our spirits to you, that you would speak to us, guide us, minister to us. Just surrender your heart now to receive God's prophetic word, his transformative, guiding word of blessing to you. Speak to God yourself. Make room for him. His mercies are new every single morning, and that includes today. He has mercy for you. He has grace for you. He has something for you. Make room for that something. Open up our hearts, Father. Even as Michael prayed earlier, Lord, we remove all obstacles and we make space within our hearts for you. And Lord, as we look at marriage today, I pray specifically for the marriages within this church and all of our churches across Europe and around the, the world that you would guide us and speak to us and minister to us in this area also. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Just bring this out a sec. About, about five or six weeks ago, we began a series with the title, The Making of a Man. And then we looked at the making of a woman and then the making of a church and the making of a family. Today, I want to look at very sensitive area, the making of a marriage, I was sharing with someone three or four days ago, you can choose the wrong job, but if you choose the wrong job, guess what? You can leave it. You can, I bought a lot of properties in my time, I tell you. You can buy a bad deal, but it's not the end of the world. You can make a lot of mistakes in life, but I don't think for me, is there any mistake more costly than the wrong marriage? Is there any mistake in, in every which way, emotionally, financially, the, the, the enormous devastation that this can bring? So if there's something that we need enormous amounts of education on, it is this subject. And yet it's a subject that I've dealt with for a lot of years. And you don't get the openness that perhaps you think you would get. When I do singles conferences, Everybody concentrates on this first point. Everybody concentrates on this first point, And that is getting married. And one of the things I try to stress as much as I can, listen everybody, it's not just about getting married. You know what? Getting married is the easiest thing in the world. All, 
all I got to do as a pastor is say, I pronounce you man and wife. It's not difficult, right? So getting married is not the point. What's the point? Staying married. Staying married. Then I've got to think before I get married, am I going to stay in the relationship with this person? Am I going to be happy with this person? And you need to project yourself, and that takes advice. And then ultimately, for me particularly, this is a massive issue. Am I going to be productive? Because statistics show that this productivity in the kingdom becomes ever increasingly important. Is the person that I'm getting hitched to capable of walking with me as a Christian? Last week, we started ministry early in the morning because I don't visit the churches regularly. We hadn't been there for about one year. And the, and the number of counseling that we had to do, I was totally exhausted. But this dear girl had to sit, because we get up very, very early, up in the middle of the night, pray for several hours, then go to your first meeting, then counsel, then one-to-ones, then leadership training, then more counsel. And it just, it was so exhausting. I need someone in my life who feels the same. Amen. The Christian walk is hard and heavy, and I need someone to share that burden, not to become a burden. So I make no apology. Don't rush in to getting married. Are you better married or single? Well, if you're marrying the wrong person, you're better single. Hello? <laughs> you're better single. By, by all means, get married, but you better make sure that it's someone you can stay with, someone you will be happy with. And someone that you're going to be productive with because that kind of comes back to bite maybe quicker than you think. We looked at these, subject, these uh, points about two years ago, but I've redone this message because I think it's an important one for all of us. If you're married, you can reinvent your marriage. You can refurbish your marriage. There have been many studies done around the world on the problems within marriage. But this study, I like it because it wasn't about the problems. It was about the blessings. It was John Hagee. And I think it was something like 10,000 couples. He asked couples, are you happy? And if the couple said yes, he took them aside. Are you happy? Yes. And then he went through those who said yes. And he said to them, why are you happy? And these were the top seven things that they came up with. And I find that fascinating. I wouldn't have expected, to be honest, happy couples. Number one thing they say, when we got married, we separated from our parents. This is a huge issue, you know, because I do loads of counseling. And you wouldn't believe how um, involved some mothers-in-laws and father-in-laws can be in the ongoing relationships of marriages. It's insane. I mean, in one home I visited, one husband had to write down and send by email every single penny he spent, including a cup of coffee, to the mother-in-law. Hallelujah. The mother-in-law from hell. Yeah, he had to write every single detail. And they were looking at me as if this is normal. I said, guys, this is sick in the head. This, how can you expect separate she's in your life she's in your room she's here right not physically present but that control is extreme had another situation very similar to that but separating from parents it's different in different cultures but it's important for everyone i guess it involves boundaries 
and knowing the boundaries within any relationship, but particularly family relationships, boundaries are important. And if you find people who are continually having relationship problems, it's probably boundaries that they do not know where the line is. I love barbecues in the summertime. And after a while, you learn the skill of creating that little fire with those little bricks. And one of the keys is you have to have enough space between each brick. If those bricks touch or get too close, you've got no fire. The thing can't even get started. And that's a bit like a couple, like a marriage. You send them out, but if you don't give them enough space, they won't even catch. They can't get started because you're crowding them out. Even in this room, I guarantee you, there will be many of you who struggled with mother or father or raising the children and the way that should be done. I would advise you, like we have done, talk about those things before you get married. So I have constructed kind of a prenuptial understanding for us, which is quite detailed, but I think it's incredibly beneficial. Because after seeing so many marriages crashing and crashing and crashing on this issue, why, why make it an issue? Why walk into it? Why, if, if someone walks off a cliff, don't you walk off a cliff, right? So we don't have to keep on making the same mistakes. And I would advise you, before marriage, be incredibly open, be honest about everything. So we talk, for example, my parents had the way that they handled money within their marriage. I didn't like it. My father used to say, that's my money. <laughs> and my mother used to say, that's my money. And they had mine and his and hers. I can't stand that. That just doesn't work for me. So everything in our house has got to be mine. No, just joking. <laughs> everything in our house has got to be ours. I, I prefer that because I feel it's like a separation in some way. But your parents may have had their own style. No problem. But I strongly, strongly advise you, if you're married and you have never taken the step, start now. Start now. Construct. It's not just the separation, it's the creation. So separate from your parents and create your own home. Singles, give me your full attention. Some of you are going to stay single for a long time if you don't listen to this issue of boundaries. Okay? Because, do you know what? I will, I, I, I've done many, many, many singles conferences. And what you get is you get, say, a guy or a girl. You, you'll get a girl. And she hasn't got a boyfriend. But you know what she has? A male friend. She's got a man in her life, but the man is not a boyfriend, right? Well, who is he? Well, he's kind of, uh, uh, well, he's functioning a bit like a boyfriend, isn't he? And he's crossing some boundaries, functioning a bit like a husband. All right? And where you get that boundary crossing, where you get a single person, be it a man who has an inappropriate relationship with a woman, or a woman with a man, what you've got is there's no space. There's no space. There's no space for God to send you a partner. Pat, for example, you make sure, I'm totally serious, you make sure that there's no man in your life who's taking this space into which God is going to bring your husband. Hello? Absolutely. And that's why God says to the marriage, you know, separate from your parents and create your own space. But I say to singles, you need to do that before so that this space exists. 
for someone to come into. Totally right. Totally right. So analyze your relationships. Some girls are single because they've got an inappropriate male relationship. Some girls are single because they have an inappropriate man in their lives. Okay? And vice versa. And I advise you be very careful. Also for my home. My home is my space. And I will protect my home. I will protect my wife. Hallelujah. I will. I told you I asked a couple to leave our home because they were a couple from our church. They were members in my church. That was the quickest pastoral visit in history. Because I knew she was a gossip. I knew the way she behaved outside. I had no idea that she thought she could do that with Jeanette, with my wife. I had no idea. I thought she's not that stupid. But she was that stupid. So she comes in, sits in our city, and I thought, well, this is going to be good. We're going to have a chance for her to affect my wife and my wife to affect her. And she starts talking about some pastor. So I just coat on. Jeanette, come on. No, you're going. And I thought, what's my tea? I said, you don't need tea. Just get out. Just get out of my house. I don't want that on my wife. This is my space. This is my space. I will protect my space. And I tell you, I see too many husbands who seem as if they couldn't care less about their space. No, guys, wakey, wakey. (laughs) Singles, protect your space. And make that a space that God can send someone into. Amen. And husbands particularly, protect your home space. It's a precious, beautiful, wonderful thing. So leave and cleave. Create your own space. Secondly... The couples who said they were happy said that they developed a spirit of interdependence. Look at this. You know these probably from previous studies that we've done. Just as people change, as you have changed over the years, they say from naught to five is the stage of life where we all say, I need you. I need help. And that's absolutely true and perfectly okay and normal. Five to 12 is where we become self-aware. Right? 13 to 20 is where we say, I don't need you. And anybody who's raised teenagers will know that's true. I don't need anybody. I can do all this myself. And then after that, we should begin to develop some degree of interdependence. But I want to take those stages and think about them in relation to marriage. There is a time when we're not ready for marriage. We need our parents. But eventually, this self-aware face... Ray, could I have my slide up there, the picture? This self-aware phase is a very, very important phase for me from, in preparation for marriage. This is Colombia, and this guy here, who you will meet in a couple of years' time, is Apostle Gustavo, who's been Mary's apostle for the last four years. Very good guy. This is Christian, who travels with them in ministry, and this is a town called Salento. I had three days, sorry, I had three days of being made self-aware. So this was part of my pre-marriage. I need it again in a moment. Sorry, guys. This was part of my pre-marriage. And these guys took me out as, and to teach me how to be a husband. You see? We're going to teach you how to be a husband. Teach you what a husband does. So we walked for three days. And Gustavo would say, Mike, this is what you've got to do. You've got to love your wife. Right? You've got to care for your wife. You need to cover your home. And even I don't cry because I, do you know what, folks? If you had given me a million pounds, you couldn't have given me more than this. 
I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Because someone was helping me. Someone was pouring into me. He's no weakling. He's a man. And he pointed out two or three things in me, because we spent more than three days together. But he said, Mike, come here. I don't like this. I don't like that. And because I was willing to do that, he's rem- he made me self-aware. He made me aware. Listen, folks, don't get married unless you're self-aware. You need to be aware of some things about you. Someone has to do that. Amen. Amen. And some of you suffer because of that, because the people you're living with have blind spots or blinkers because they were never willing to be taught or no one loved them enough to say, do you know what? You shouldn't bring that issue into a marriage. You should deal with it before. Amen? So the self-aware stage for me is important. By the way, this, this I don't need you stage is also part of marriage. If you get married one, two, three years, many couples, you will go into a house and the atmosphere is, I don't need him. Right? I don't need her. Something's changed. Right? Something's changed for me. I need you, please. I don't need him. I don't need her. And you need to be able to predict that so that when it comes, you understand what you're going through. You're going through your adolescent stages of marriage. That's what you're doing. And you need to press on into interdependence, which is where we should get to. It's maturity. Where we realize, no, I can be single. A single-minded person says, I don't need you. A marriage-minded person says, we need to work on this together. We all need each other. Hello? It's an important transition. Don't get stuck. In many divorces, they do take place at this I don't need you stage. So first, leave and cleave. Secondly, develop a spirit of interdependence, of wanting the other person or knowing that the other person is there and you're going to work with them. It's a long journey. When I go to Singapore, it's 14 hours on the plane, right? And normally I book the window seats, the the two seats. I I book this seat because I want to put my head down and go to sleep. And I'm always waiting for who's coming in, you know, who's, who's this person going to be? And I have my own way of dealing with it, my own strategy. When the person arrives, I always turn to them and I say, hello, hello, good to meet you. Now you meet typically two different types of people. There's not much in between. And is the expert, right? Two different types of people. There's the type of people who say, hello, good to meet you too. And there's a type of person who just totally blanks you. They don't want to talk. They don't want to know anything about you. They just want to sit and get through 15 hours. That person who doesn't want to know anything is not interdependent. My point in that plane seat, whoever you are, you and I are going to be in this seat together for the next 15 hours. So wouldn't it be really nice if we were able to get on together, okay? And entering a marriage and a relationship, that is a good attitude to have. Because it's a long journey. There's going to be a lot of bumps in the road. You're going to need each other, whether you realize it now or not. You are going to need one another. Number three. Okay, I find this very sad, but dethrone the baby. Don't let the child within any home. Statistics show that child-centered marriages become very, very unhealthy and unhappy marriages. I worked for Jaguar Car Factory for one year, and my job there for several months was taking the the dashboard on a crane, right? This is a completed uh, 
fashion, and I would put it on another crane, but this crane took the vibrations to 120 miles an hour. So if there was anything shaky, it was going to come off. That crane shook everything that could be shaken. That's what a baby does to a marriage. (laughs) It will take your marriage and it will shake everything within your home that can be shaken. You're going to hear it once the baby arrives. Hallelujah. Now some of you are smart. (laughs) Because it's true. It's like an earthquake within the home. And one of the first and greatest tragedy or um, casualties is the bedroom, the sex life. Within a married couple, because the woman's body changes, there's all sorts of desire changes. And you need to be prepared for that. You need to dethrone the baby. Amen? Dethrone the baby and realize that Scripture says this, a man should love his children like Christ loved the church. Oh, wrong. But we love our children. No problem. Of course we do. But the Scripture is very clear. It gives an order. A man should love his wife as Christ loved the church. Don't answer this question. Who do we love more men? Our wives or our children? Paul Washer, you may know him, American preacher, does a lot of work on marriage. And Paul Washer uses this example. He says, you're in a rubber dinghy and you're lost at sea. There's you, the husband, and you can't leave the rubber dinghy. You're stuck. You can't leave. And you've got your wife and your child, and one of them must go. Okay? And you have to choose. One of them has to be thrown overboard. So who do you choose? You don't have to make this choice. Hallelujah. It's just an example. (laughs) So Paul Washer says this, and he gives a very good explanation. He He says, I married my wife, and if you put me in that situation, it would be my child. That I would throw because my dedication to my wife is first and foremost. I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I'm just telling you his example. I'll give you his number. <laughs> right? So, but what would you do? <laughs> you're not allowed. So you're not allowed. It forces the point. You have to stay. You don't have the choice. I like my space, so I'd probably throw them both over it. No, never mind. Hallelujah. <laughs> what, what would you do? What would you do? It's an interesting point because it will... It will raise inside me, where, where, where am I at with that? Children need a very clear sense of order in the home, don't they? They need a very clear sense of order. The children need to know, my dad leads this house. They need that. They need that. My father leads this house. There's no point in trying to manipulate mommy because daddy will see that, Right? Children need a very clear line of authority. Daddy loves God. And daddy loves mommy. And together they lead our home. That's what brings, you know, security. Amen? But it's our job to construct it. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. But in in today's world, it's ever increasingly decreasing. And I pray that you, even if that's not your current structure, reinvent your home. I did that with my home. Reinvent your marriage. Have another go at it. Have another look at it. Separate from their parents. Have I done that within my marriage? Develop a spirit of interdependence, realizing that we're going to be in this together for a long time. 
when you prepare for babies, make sure that they don't become a little god in your relationship. Love your children, but be very careful that a man loves his wife as Christ loved the church. And number four, be aware that disappointments and tragedies are going to come. There's going to be problems. And Adam and Eve, the first thing they did was blamed one another, remember? Adam blames Eve. It's a blame game. It's just human nature. And within a marriage, there's just no place for that. So predict your own blame game and get it out of your system. I will not play the blame game. If something, even if my partner does something wrong, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to blame. This is your fault. Yeah? It's a mindset. It's an attitude. And I advise you to spot it, see it in advance, and get it out of your system. Fifthly, happily married couples have learned and disciplined themselves, I'll use their term, to fight fair. And what that means is they've developed a, a way of negotiation or dealing with issues within the marriage that arise that are not damaging to the marriage. Well, I'm very sad to say a good friend of mine crossed the 50 mark, 50 years old. He's a pastor. And he emailed me about five weeks ago. He said, well, I was 50, so I decided that I would have a health check. So I went to my doctor and I said, I'm 50 and I think I'd like to have my body reviewed. So he said, okay, and he set me up with this appointment at the hospital and the MRIs or whatever they did. And lo and behold, guess what? You've got a little cyst and we need to take a biopsy. So they took the biopsy and it's malignant. So in very few days' time, but four or five days' time, they're going to go in and they're going to do the keyhole, keyhole surgery. And the report said that they're going to aim to completely obliterate every part of that cyst. And the doctor's uh, words to him were, well done for early intervention. What? You, you, I mean, you don't need to take the test, do you? You don't need to go and have an examination. But because of his age, he was wise. And he thought, well, let me see how my body is. And lo and behold, they found something. In terms of learning to develop your marriage, you don't need to... It's not compulsory to make your marriage work and to make it better. But it's very wise, isn't it? We had our, we've only been married four months, five months, but we had our first honesty day two weeks ago. So I took her out in town. Do you know what an honesty day is? Maybe you don't want to know. <laughs> took her out? Yeah. So I don't find it easy. So it's not comfortable for me. I, I took her out because it's a neutral place, not the house where she came, where I live. It's neutral ground. It's important, I think, for fair. And we just had a meal and I said, okay, tonight you have the opportunity to say to me anything that has disappointed you about getting married to me. Okay? I've got my list already ready for you. Just, you've got, you've, you can go ahead and you can say that. So she's very free and easy and she came up with two or three things. And then she said, okay, you and I quite easily, early intervention's far better. You visit a couple and when you take the guy alone or the woman alone and you find out that the problem was 10 years ago. Why are you crazy people? Why didn't you intervene? You've waited all this time. That's not going to be a happy marriage. Don't let the thing be inside. If you've got the first step right, that it's someone you can live with and be happy with, then you should be able to address any issue. Any issue. So our, it was very tearful, but our conclusion 
um, was this. Her, her conclusion to me was this, because Colombians can be quite simple people, and that's a great thing. Her conclusion at the end of that night to me was this. Mike, I don't need a big house, and I don't need a big car, and I don't need money. What I need from you is the presence of God every day. I need God. I need you to cover me with God. That's what I want. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a good answer. It's a good conclusion. It's a good desire. It's a good desire. Hallelujah. Honesty days. I mean, think about it, pray about it. I find early intervention, I would far rather have it. Far rather have it than than live with that, you know, couples who forever are drifting apart, they're growing apart, nobody's saying anything. It's all just so subtle and so quiet. No good, no good. And I say to the men, be bold, be brave, take it on the chin. It's not going to be comfortable, probably. Um... But do it. Make sure that you've separated from your parents in the right way. Understand you're going to be on a long road together. A spirit of interdependence. Love your children, but love your partners more. Let me put it like that. Make a commitment not to blame each other through traumas and tragedies. And early intervention for anything that may have arisen that you're not aware of. Give your partner the chance to... To articulate that and say, well, actually, I'm not happy about this. And then number six, the one you've all been waiting for, <laughs> lock the bedroom door. The, the, the whole sex thing is huge. I'm doing a study at the moment, which I'll bring to you later in the year, about, ma- about sex and love and marriage and how those whole things, how those different aspects interrelate within a marriage. When you first get married, right, Sex can be almost like a peak because it's a new thing. It's a new person. You're highly excited and that can be just incredibly, you know, off the scale. Um, As time goes by, it is a fact that the excitement part within the sexual life does begin to, let me use the word change. The word change. And there's, this can become a problem if you don't talk about it and discuss it and analyze what the actual changes are. Within couples, there's the realists and the romantics. The realists are mostly the men. The romantics, <laughs> you know who they are. So the realists are the men because they say, well, let me say what the women say. The women say, husband... I know you love me, but you don't desire me anymore. You don't look at me the way you used to look at me. You don't want me the way you used to want me. You've changed. The female nature can be eternally romantic. She wants to be desired. And within the sex life particularly, she wants an edge, energy, excitement, something real, something living, something alive. Now the man excuses himself, oh, but I love you. I see. And I'm giving you security. This presents many problems. Here's a question for you. Can I have an excited desire for the same person who gives me security? Because those two things kind of can work against each other. If someone gives me love and desire, how do those two things interrelate? 
Because if you mix them up, you may find that your desire is going to decrease. Oh, thank you very much. Remember these. I remember the days when a yogurt was a yogurt. And then everything changed. They separated them. So they separated the tasty hot bit from the calm, smooth bit. And the reason they did this is because many people realized, I actually like both. I like the yogurt, but I also like the rush of the jam or whatever it is. I want both, and I need them to be separated. When you open this carton and you mix these things, it's changed. And within a marriage, when the love and the desire, if you're not monitoring that, and I'll deal with it at another time, what can very quickly happen is you mix the two and the taste diminishes and you think you've lost desire for one another. So the technique is to get the desire back, you need to do certain things. Okay? Amen? And your, your sex life can be totally revamped, re-energized if you look at these things and talk about them. Don't look so serious. Look at this. Look at this. They call it the anchor and the wave. Okay? The wave is the exciting rush of new love. Let me put it like that. Sexual energy. That's the wave. And love is the anchor. And somehow we have to develop the ability, the technique to keep those waves going, to keep that energy and that excitement within a relationship while still being anchored within it. Amen? And lastly, the comic relief part. For me, enormously important that you're able to laugh, particularly to laugh at yourself. Laugh within the marriage because so many problems are going to come and rise. That's quite natural. But don't take yourself too seriously. In your marriage, take a day off. Right? Take a day off. Have a holiday. And don't be rigid or holding each other to such, such, such high expectations. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. I, I've had many other meetings today, so I need to conclude. Stand with me. And I want you just individually, because th this is a personal, a personal quest for you, a personal journey for you. I want to pray for the singles. I want to ask you to just look at your life. Father, will you open our eyes to our own lives? And I want each single here to make space within your world for God to give you a partner. Create that space where no one else is in that room. Separate that space. Analyze that space. And any wrong relationships, they're costing you. Move out of them. Perhaps some couples here, your, your parents are still involved in your lives in a, in a wrong way, in a controlling way. And you pray for that. Could I have Joe on the piano, please? Thanks. You pray for that and pray for the continuous development of your marriage. And for our children, Father, we lift them to you that we will love them, love them, love them. But we will understand the biblical commands. To love our wives as Christ loved the church. Jesus, we lift our families to you as globally we have a huge attack on family life and marriage. We take our stand. We take our stand. And I say, I love my wife. I invite you men, speak it out. I love my wife. I love my wife.
And women, speak it out. I love my husband. I love my husband. Hallelujah. Lord, we invite you. I'm Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. And invite Pastor Michael to, to pray for us for one moment on our marriages for our men to take their place.
of this universe, Lord, that the same grace that we have received of you this afternoon cover all of them as well, Lord. And teach all of us, uh, even the grace we want to talk to our friends who are also in the same business of, of marriage. That in the end, marriages will grow, Lord my God, in your way, but marriages will prosper in your way, and glory will come back to you in heaven. We give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory, we give you adoration, my God. So once again, for visiting us on this issue, we pray that we not forget, we pray that day and day we shall remember, we shall remember ourselves based on your word. Lord, I'm finished, but I also want to pray for our brothers and sisters who want to get married, Lord. In Jesus, I pray for your grace, for your power, Lord. I pray, I pray for preparation, Lord, I pray. For even for them to if this there's no space, I pray for you to create space for you to bring people in their lives. That their choice will be your choice, Lord. Glory be to only because you are praying and God. I thank you, I bless you, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give a round of applause to the here as well so yes we've come to the end you know fellowship with someone give someone a quick smile shake their hand and everything you know fellowship doesn't end continue you know anyone who wasn't here as well give them a quick call see how they're doing and everything and yes we'll meet here once again next week to the glory of his name amen so
morning. 